There are few things on earth that generate more conversation than wine. For many, the thirst for wine knowledge becomes an obsession, and it's hard to imagine that anyone has fully ingested all there is to know about the world's most revered beverage. We all know people who are passionate about sharing that knowledge and their opinions about wine. But we find an awful lot of the conversations about wine pretty hard to swallow. Welcome to Grape Encounters. Your host, David Wilson, his guests, and the rest of us on the team are here to show you a great time. How to have more fun with your wine. Where to enjoy wine the most. How to immerse yourself into a wine lifestyle that isn't simply about wine. So let's dive into this week's edition of Grape Encounters. Oh, you'll learn plenty, but hopefully it will be knowledge that you can really use. Not like that Latin class you took in high school. Here's your wine captain, David Wilson. Man, oh man, oh man, if you are into food, if you are into wine, and you happen to be into music, you could not have a better job than the job that my guest today has. First of all, he was a big time rocker. I mean, big time with one of the mega groups for some time. And while he was on tour with this group, and I'll tell you, who it is in just a second but while he was on tour with this group he discovers Chateauneuf du Pop and it changes his world and even though you know he continues for years on stage as a musician and is a very accomplished musician today but playing a, a kind of different style of music his heart then fell to his stomach and music became, I guess, secondary in a certain sense to his desire to retrace his Italian roots and become a great chef and a wine expert and a tour guide and an all-around nice guy. He's Paul Cullen. And Paul, it's been how freaking long since we've talked. It's just forever. It's crazy, David. I, I think it's like four or five years, which is just nuts. For a while there, we were we were hanging out a bunch together. In fact, uh, last time we we hung out together was in Palm Springs. Yeah, absolutely. That was that was one of the best events that I've ever been involved with. And we put that on, and you came out and you performed, and it was just absolutely wonderful. And you had some wines at the time too, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had my own private label from uh, the Sierra Foothills. So I had a red and a white and a rosé. I had it all covered. All right. So let's sort of lift the veil because in case people aren't familiar with your name, let's just say simply that you are a guy that can be very bad company. <laughs> we can be in good company or we can be in bad company. What, what are and, we uh, you, you toured with bad company for some years starting in 1990 as the bass player, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I was uh, like a second version of the band that I grew up listening to. You know, I in fact, I saw them in 76 when I was 16. And then 14 years later, I played in their band. Yeah, how about that? That's just way cool, awesome. Isn't that amazing when you idolize somebody or a group of people and then all of a sudden they're no longer people that you're listening to on the radio or watching on television but you're just there side by side with them i've, I've gotten to do that with a number of people myself in, in in some different situations and it's just like that's just the warmest fuzziest feeling in the world well yeah i think as you know you feel like you're a part of them you know you're you're friends with them instead of idolizing them as you would like winemakers and that happens to me now you know idolize wine makers and chefs 
and then I get to meet them and hang out with them, and then now we're friends. So, so that happened at Bad Company. It's so neat to see the rock stars that you listen to are just normal people, you know. And I tell right. people that they're like, "Oh, what's it like to meet David Gilmore or Gilmore or George Harrison or or the guys in Bad Company?" I'm like, "Dude, they they're they're as cool as we are. They would they'd be sitting there having a glass of wine with us and eating and talking about normal stuff, you know. You yeah. we idolize them. We put them on another level, right? And they're just like us, man. They just happen to be in a different position as far as their uh, career goals. Now you got exposed to a lot of really amazing people, right? While you were touring. Oh, for sure, man. I mean, you know, bad companies from England. So uh, I had to go audition in England, which I'd never been to London before. So in 1990, this 30 year old kid had only been playing bass for 10 years, flies to London and auditions for uh, an iconic rock band that he grew up listening to. And while there, I get to meet people like a uh, boy, George and George Harrison and, you know, Zach Starkey, who was Ringo Starr's son. Yeah. It's just the, the list goes on, you know, and it, it, it was like, it was normal. It was normal to hang out in London and be partying at the limelight and walks Roger Dalter and, and you have a pint with him. How awesome. Please tell our audience the story about being aboard the Bad Company tour bus and your first introduction to wine. And this is so amazing because you would ex expect that to be your first introduction to tequila or whiskey or something. But it's so strange to see a guy fall in love with wine because some famous rock star poured him wine on a tour bus. I know. How incredible is that? So we're doing an overnighter. A anytime we are going from one town to the to, to the other in uh, in one, you know, with one day to another, you would do, if it was over 500 miles, you would go overnight. And those were my favorite trips because it was usually me and Mick Ralph, the guitar player, and Simon Kirk, the drummer. And the three of us in the back of the bus doing an overnighter, you know. And one night, Mick brings out this Chateauneuf de Pop, this red wine. And he's like, do you like this kind of wine? I'm like, I can't even pronounce it. I don't even know <laughs> yeah, right. if I would like it. And the only the only wine that I'd ever really been introduced to is my grandfather, Talia Farrow, his Chianti out of a gallon jug. So I, I'm like, well, yeah, I'll give it a shot. You know what the heck? And man, I had that first class of Chateauneuf de Pop. And I, I was, it's like, you know, like you see like the cartoons and all the hearts and stuff over your head. And it was just, and, and it was just amazing. And you're like 30 years old at this point in time. So you had missed out on wine for quite some time, you know. A I really almost. did. Yeah. Well, I didn't miss out on alcohol, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, won't, we won't go there. Um, no, no. Because we, we discourage such behavior, which I <laughs> yeah. imagine would be the next part of that story. But, you know, the reason, Paul, that I wanted to have you on and you were – like my first thought was because every year at this time, I like to talk about wine in the holidays. And I deviate from wine a bit in this particular episode that I do each year because I like to talk about cooking, which is just as much a passion for me as it is for you. Except the difference sure. is you get paid for it and I don't. And I that really stinks. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not really sure how that happened. You know, five years ago, I, I was just playing music, writing songs. I, uh, you know, just kind of released my first couple solo CDs. And then I had friends over for dinner, very festive, 10, 12 people. And my friend took me aside and said, hey, can you cook for my wife's surprise birthday party? I'm like, oh, yeah, no problem. He goes, and bring your guitar, too. And I'm like, oh, a dinner and a concert. I'm like, oh, that's cool. So in 2014, I cooked for 15 different events in uh, 15 different homes, uh, 10 to 12 people. 
and played a concert. And that was 2014. And last year, I did it 203 times. I can't. <laughs> what? Come on. 203 times. 203. That's more than any rock band would have concert dates, right? I know. I know. The problem is now is that I'm on the road all the time, except I'm doing all the driving. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking about the, the difference between that and uh, being a band member is at least when you were with Bad Company, you know, you, you get to relax. You're on the tour bus. You get there, everything's set up for you. You check your guitars and audio and all that stuff. And then you play your hour, hour and a half, two hours, and you're out of there. And what you're doing now, you're not only playing, you're cooking, you're entertaining, you're teaching, you're talking wine pairing, all of this stuff. That's a lot of work, honestly. It really is. But you know what? The joy that I get from it, you know, the joy on people's faces, you know, and I'm touching all their senses. If you think about it, you know, it's their ears, yeah, their yeah. eyes, their nose, their the smell, their throat, you know, what they're tasting. And what the cool part is, is that, you know, a lot of this is coming because I did play in Bad Company and they want to have the guy over the house that played a bad company. But after I talk to them about my knowledge of Italian cuisine and wines, they're actually blown away by the whole experience because I don't screw around when I do something. <laughs> no, I know. You're, I don't. Yeah, you're, you're, you're definitely a perfectionist. And we're going to have to take a quick break here, Paul. But sure. uh, we got so much to talk about and catch up on. And you have a, an amazing concept for cooking turkey that we're going to talk about too. Oh, yeah. We're going to have listeners, they're going to have to spend a hundred bucks, not with us, but they're going to have to go out and buy a piece of equipment if they don't already have it. But then they're going to do the most awesome turkey in the world. We're talking to Paul Cullen. He was a rocker for a long time. Now more of a, I want to say jazz musician than anything else and, and Latin guitar and a lot of other stuff for sure yeah you kind of change styles a little bit and by the way you got short hair now and if you go to paul's website which is paulcullen.rocks just fish around there and you're going to find a picture of paul with long black hair in the days of bad company so that's really super cool but we're going to talk about also paul has got a he's got basically a restaurant and a performing venue a marketplace Man, you just went wild in the last five years. It's just crazy what you've done. It's been crazy. I'm just hanging on, man. It's that newfound uh, celebrityism and trying to take advantage of you know all the people that I've cooked for. Okay, you know? and yeah. that's over five thousand. Oh, that's crazy. Okay, we'll be back with my bud Paul Cullen in just a second, and we're gonna do something culinary with Cullen when we return with Grape Encounters Radio. like to talk about wine. Welcome back to Grape Encounters Radio, broadcasting from our Central Coast Wine Country studio in idyllic Atascadero, California. Grape Encounters is brought to you by Total Wine & More, America's largest independent retailer of fine wine. They carry more than 8,000 different wines from every wine-producing region in the world and offer an equally monumental selection of beer and spirits. Here's David. 
Yep, the holiday season is upon us, and every year about this time, I like to do one, maybe two, sometimes even three shows about wine and the holidays. I also like to incorporate food in. There's so much enjoyment that you can get out of holiday dining that we don't take the time to do the rest of the year, unless, of course, you hire Paul Cullen to come to your place. He's probably, I was going to say, best known as a bass player for Bad Company back in 1990 and beyond. But now, Paul, you've made a big name for yourself in food. And I, I swear, you know, I look at your website and the stuff that you're preparing, and I just go bonkers because it's so amazing. But wine is a big thing for you. And one of the things that you've been doing that I think is just awesome, and I'm going with you sometime, is setting up tours to Italy, which is right. where, where your heritage is. Do me a favor. Take a couple minutes and just give us the scope of everything that you're doing from the in-home cooking to the tours. And I'm especially interested in your new business venture, Paul's Kitchen. Do I have that right? Yep. Yep. Paul's Kitchen. Yeah. And, and the photos. Colin Airy. Colin Airy. See, I. Kitchen. Yeah. And I, I used that joke a minute ago <laughs> and I didn't even notice that you're, you're doing that. So yep. take it away. Take it away. What are we doing? Okay. So main gig is in-home dining, which we just talked about. I go to people's houses and I cook for them, pour cool ass Italian wines, stuff that you don't normally get. No Pinot Grigio. Oh, you thank know. goodness. Um, yeah. So do that. And then I play a concert. So that's my main gig. Then we have Paul's Kitchen, which we just got about 18 months ago. It's a 300 square foot commercial kitchen that we do chef's table dinners in. In fact, I'm doing one, uh, the cuisine of Piemonte on Saturday for 12 people. And you're actually in my kitchen. You know, 300 square feet is not very big. Yeah. You know? So we have that and we have an outdoor patio where we can seat 16 people. All right. And then I just took over the space next to me, another 800 square feet that were used for storage and for more uh, Epicurean education, as I call it. So wine, cocktails, food, all, all kinds of classes we're going to have there. So we have Paul's Kitchen. that That's rocking and rolling. Then we have Culinary Tours, Culinary Vacations, which is us taking you to Italy. We just got back in September from our seventh group trip to Italy. Oh, that's amazing. Yep. And then in 2020, we have two trips. One is a tall sailing ship from Rome to Sicily. Oh, get out of here. Really? Yep. Yep. And the ship actually sails. We've been on it uh, before. It's ama- it, it, It's so beautiful. And that one sold out. We got 60 people going with us. Oh, get out of on here. On that one. Really? 60. It's nuts. And I got 20 people on, a, on the wait list. There's only 100 rooms. So we have tall sailing ship, June of 2020. And then we just released our Tuscan Villa trip, which will be our third time to the villa near Montalcino. Of course, you're familiar with Brunello di Montalcino. Oh, definitely. Which yeah. is my my dog's name, Bruno Brunello. <laughs> gotcha. So we're going there for the third time, uh, three years in a row, because it is so spectacular there. And it's only 100 meters from Montalcino. So the wine there is very similar because it's the same terroir. And in fact, they do my own wine label, which is the other thing I do now too. I have my own private Tuscan wine label now. Uh, it's a Sangiovese with 15% Cabernet Sauvignon from 2010. And that's no, and that's no small feat, by the way, because it isn't the easiest thing in the world to get wine from Europe to the U.S., but. For sure. I think the relationships are what it's all about and getting something accomplished like that. You know, we uh, take people to the vineyard. They love us because we bring people there. And it's, a, it's just a great relationship. And when I mentioned something in passing about doing a private label, they're like, oh, yeah, we'll do that for you. Really? And I, that's what I wanted. You know, 
my wine, as you know before, is from California. That's fine. That's cool. But my roots are Italy. So having my own Tuscan wine is just, I, I'm still in awe when I see it and when I drink. I'm looking at you. You're shaking. Because <laughs> yeah, I haven't had a drink yet today. Let, let, me see the back, <laughs> let me see the back of your neck and see if the hairs are standing. Yes, they are. Look at that. Oh, they are. They are. That's a, always been a dream of mine, too. Although I've never had the dream of actually making the wine because I am smart enough to know having hundreds of friends who are winemakers oh, yeah. that that is real work. If you're going to do that and you're going to do it and take it seriously, you best make that the only thing that you do and give up your radio show, David. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. For sure. You know, and then same thing with food. People ask me, my clients, are you going to open a restaurant? I said, why would I do that to myself? My chef friends would be mad at me because they love my business model because it's successful. I don't have an overhead. And that's the same with a vineyard. So so the, the best thing to do is do in-home dining and find a friend who owns a vineyard. <laughs> yeah. And, and and the way you've got your business set up, you can do it on your own terms and take, yes. as, take as little or as much business as you want to. Hey, we're talking to Paul Cullen. We've known each other now for a very long time. When I started the radio show 11 years ago, he was actually one of the people that I reached out to from the beginning, really. And then we took a hiatus here for a few years because the last time I saw you, I was on the radio along with doing Grape Encounters. I was on the radio in Palm Springs, Palm Desert area. You came down and then your new career just took off like a horse out of the gate at the Kentucky Derby and you've never looked back. Now, just tell me this though, is you're doing a lot of teaching. So as far as your knowledge is concerned of food and wine, I mean, I, I can just see from, you know, the photograph and just everything I've read about you, that your expertise in cooking is evolving. You knew nothing about wine when you were 30 years old. What are you doing to stay on top of things? How important is continuing your education to you? Oh, it's huge. I mean, I think that's maybe the hardest part of my, my day in my life is that I'm so busy that I don't get as much time to learn about the three things that I, that I do, which is guitar, which I just really started playing guitar 12 years ago, you know, after putting down my bass, cooking, you know, I just started doing that professionally in the last five years and wine, you know, I, I went ahead and I, I'm, I'm actually a level two sommelier because I wanted to learn more about wine and thank God for the internet, because every time I get a chance, I'm on there either watching YouTube or looking at recipes or learning about more wines. And my focus is, of course, Italian wines. And as you know, there's, you know, 800 or more varietals. And I always tell people, I know about 100 of them, and I'm so looking forward to learning about the next 700. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I take every spare moment I have in my day or night and try to learn something new. I, I just learned about a, an amazing grape through a friend uh, who owns a, a wine shop called Swig, which which I love, in uh, Wilmington, Delaware. Yeah. Yeah. He had a, a rosé from Calabria. Galliapo was the grape. And I never, ever heard of it. Now, at least 300 people that I've cooked for in the last month know what Galliapo is because I served it with a traditional potato salad from uh, Calabria. So oh, wow. Yeah. I, I just love it. As soon as I, I learn something, I see the grape. I'm, I'm loving the rosé. And I look, okay, what, what can I pair with this? What is a traditional salad? And believe it or not, it's a warm potato salad, you know, with green beans yeah. and roasted tomatoes. So, you know, I love All right, love, hey, stop it. So, would you stop it? Oh, am I making you hungry? Yeah, I haven't eaten yet today. <laughs> stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. All right. All right. All right. All hey, right. Paul, we're going to take our little break here for just okay. a second. And just want to also thank our friends at Total Wine & More who sponsor Grape Encounters Radio. We so appreciate them, so love them. 
Paul. I fell in love with Total Wine years ago because I think they're just the best wine retailer on the planet. Go to TotalWine.com if you'd like more information about a Total Wine store near you or all the other amazing things they do. It's a wonderful site to visit. We've got to jump into the turkey recipe when we return, Paul, in just a second. back with Grape Encounters Radio brought to you by Total Wine and More. Man, I'll tell you what, if there was ever a holiday wine store, it's Total Wine and More. Anything that Paul and I could possibly suggest for your holiday table, you will find at Total Wine and More. 8,000 wines, it's really incredible. Anyway, it's time for the big reveal. It's Paul Cullen on the line with me. So let's talk about where you hail from, my friend, because we didn't really establish that earlier in the show, but you're in one of the most beautiful places in the country. Well, the last 18 years, I've been living in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, which is one of the most beautiful adult beaches in all of the mid-Atlantic. And what's cool about it for, for us within three and a half hours is New York City. That means we have 30% of the population of the United States within three and a half hours of where I live. Well, and, you uh, just keep them there. <laughs> keep them at bay. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Well, I want them here. I want them here. That means, you know, if I get one-tenth of one-hundredth of a percent, I'll be working almost 300 days a year. Maybe I'll come work for you and lend a hand. Let's jump into, for the rest of our time together, holiday food and wine. You have a turkey recipe or a a way of doing your turkey that frankly had not occurred to me at all to even try this. Every year I toot my horn about my turkey recipe, which essentially is about getting tropical juices and putting the turkey into like a doubled up, you know, trash bag, basically. Then I fill it with all these tropical juices and let it ferment for, not ferment, <laughs> let, let it, <laughs> yeah, so you know no, it's where not going to be wine. You, wine. you know where my mind is at. Anyway, let, let, let it marinate, <laughs> yeah. you know, for a while, right. you know, overnight. Brine. And it just, yeah, it, yeah it's, it's different than brining, but it, same effect, but you also get this sort of sweetness to the meat that just uh-huh. ever so subtle. But I, I guess I just already did give the recipe, but tell me what you're doing with a turkey because when we talked about it in a pre-interview, you just blew my mind. Go for it. You know, um, I have one of those sous vide wands that you can get. There's a couple of them out there. I happen to have the Jolie, which is uh, amazing, uh, not only for steaks or chicken, but, you know, I was looking around on their website a couple of years ago and I saw you can do a turkey breast in there. And what you do is you cook it for 24 hours in the sous vide method. I'm going to stop you for a second, though, because yep. first of all, for those who don't know what sous vide is, you don't have to buy a lot of equipment. 100 bucks, no. 120 bucks, you can have this little device. And it's spelled yep. S-O-U-S-V-I-D-E, two words. Cool. It's been around for a long time, but now it's all the rage. And I'm going to tell you what, well, you cannot cook more delicious food than cooking with a sous vide. And by the way, one of the great things you can do with a sous vide is you can add some wine in there and you can infuse wine into food like you never were able to before. But just explain for just a quick second how sous vide works, the vacuum packing and all that. Yep. So the sous vide device itself is like a wand that you put into a vessel like a pot where you can put a lot of water in. And what it does, it gets the temperature of the water to wherever you need it 
to cook whatever item you are, and it keeps it there. It doesn't go up or down. It keeps it there. So it's basically a water bath. But what you do is you take the product, say like a turkey breast, and I'll explain how you do it before you put it in the bag, but you put it into a bag. So the turkey breast, which a lot of people think it actually touches water, it never, ever touches water. No. Right. It goes into a bag, into the water that the sous vide wand is keeping at the correct temperature. So here's the quick part of it. And the quick recipe is my turkey breast. What I do is I pan sear the skin of the turkey breast, and then I put it into the uh, plastic bag and uh, you use a Ziploc bag. They have uh, sous vide companies have bags too, but Ziploc works great. Let but me it- just interrupt there though. I invested about a hundred bucks or so in a vacuum sealer. And sure. it's the best investment mm-hmm. I ever made because yep. what happens is is that when you put the meat in there, you can suck every ounce of air out. Air out of it. So yep. then what's happening is the food is cooking. Instead of mm-hmm. the juices all going here, there, and everywhere, they're forced sure. back into the meat, which makes yeah. it so much juicier. But no, no doubt about it. I just got one recently, and I've done it, and uh, you know, with other stuff, and it works great. But even if you don't have it, it's still okay. You know what I mean? To put it into a bag after you sear it. I put some olive oil in there, some garlic, and some fresh sage, and that's it. So that that's it. Turkey breast with fresh sage, olive oil, and a butter to a garlic, and then I cook it for. 24 hours at 131 degrees. So normally you would cook a turkey and take it out at like 165, 170. That's if you only cook it for a couple hours. If you cook it for a long period of time, over eight hours, you can cook it at 131 degrees. And then after 24 hours, you take it out of the bag and you pan sear it again to get it crispy on top and then slice it. And it is absolutely amazing. Even three days later, the turkey breast is still juicy when you're making a sandwich. I mean, it's still moist, yeah, not juicy, yeah. juicy, but moist. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. It cooks perfectly. You're not going to have oh, any, you're not going to have any dryness. But cooking it at such a low temperature for such mm-hmm. a long time, it it breaks down any toughness that there might be in the meat. Oh, yeah, it just makes it extraordinary. You got to taste it to believe it because it's just so delicious. Let's talk wine for a few minutes here, Paul. Okay, Um, sure. What do you like at the Thanksgiving table? Because it's a complicated meal wine-wise because it is an absolute conundrum of foods that in in normal situations, we probably wouldn't pair them all together. They're so diverse from, from, you know, Aunt Pat's green bean casserole to the stuffing to these very sweet cranberries, the turkey itself. And, you know, one of the things that people do is they say, well, turkey, that's the whitest of white meats. So we got to keep white wine on the table, but they forget now you made this rich dressing over here that can stand up to red wines just fine, as can the cranberries, as can the stuff. Think about how dark your stuffing is. So you don't pair it just with the meat. You pair it with the flavors that are on the table and the intensity of those. So my Italian friend, let's throw some wines at me that you like on the Thanksgiving table, and I'll tell you my faves. Okay, number one. Okay, number one wine at Turkey is a Lambrusco from Amelia. Get out of here. Lambrusco, a dry, fizzy, cold red wine. And and the cool part is that it's chilled. So the red wine, just like if you were going to, like I would, another one I would have would be Barbera, but I would still put a little bit of a chill on it, get it around 50 degrees or under, which would bring down the acidity a little bit because of the coldness. But the, the Lambrusco, the Amelia, any dry Lambrusco would work. I prefer uh, Amelia. But let me, let, me, um, let me ask you this yeah. about the Lambrusco, though. Lambruscos mm-hmm. can be incredibly sweet, right? So No, yeah. No, 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 no. You know what? 
but they can be. 90, 90, listen, 90% of the Lambrusco is coming out of Emilia Romagna, which is where Lambrusco comes from, which is famous for prosciutto, parmesan, and, and balsamic vinegar, which we can go into another time. But no, 90% of the, the Lambrusco that comes out of Italy is dry. Secco, S-E-C-C-O, means dry. Rio Nidi ruined that way back when, when they when they put a bunch of sugar in it and gave it to the Americans. So one of my goals in life, not only making people happy through their belly, is to teach them about Lambrusco. And I use it at every party. There's over 5,000 people that have had Lambrusco in the last three years. <laughs> Would you say would you say that Lambrusco is as misunderstood as rosé? No doubt about it. No, no doubt, doubt about, about it. it. That's okay, my yeah. other. That's the other thing that I turn people on to are dry rosés, just like the one from Calabria that we were talking about earlier. But no, Lambrusco is just delicious with stuffing and gravy and turkey and cranberries and the whole thing. It, it is the quintessential Thanksgiving wine or holiday wine. L- let me ask you this. In Italy, is turkey a popular meat to cook? It's not something that I've ever seen there. Yeah. But I don't think I've ever had turkey there, ever. And, and I've seems, been there, you know, nine times in the last five years. It seems like you, you, they would have turkeys all over the place. In fact, there's one now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was oh waiting for God. waiting. Wow. You don't don't, don't, can't, don't look. I can see you do that, you know. I can isn't see that, you do that. Isn't it terrible? It looks just terrible when you do it. I always turn my back when I do that, but people they find that oh to be a, a great imitation of a turkey. Yeah. All right, hey Paul, we're gonna come back in just a second. My guest, one of my best buds in real life and in the food and wine world and music world, but we're both so busy that we're going in different directions all the time. And I just had to wrangle him in so we could talk thanksgiving together and i'm I'm so glad that we did we're going to get into more detail about wine and the thanksgiving table and i do want to squeeze in a couple of thoughts about giving wine as a gift because most people screw that up royally and you don't have to it's so so simple and easy we'll be back with more Grape Encounters. And by the way, every episode of Grape Encounters can be found at GrapeEncounters.com. We're talking about 540 episodes as of today. 540 hours of Grape Encounters. If you can stomach that much of me, go punish yourself at GrapeEncounters.com. There's a lot of really wonderful stuff there, truly and amazing people from every corner of the wine and food industry. So dive in. Today's edition of Grape Encounters is brought to you by Total Wine and More. You know, the holidays are coming up. It can be such a challenge to purchase wines for your holiday table, even a greater challenge to try to impress the boss or somebody that you want to give a gift of wine to. That's why you go to Total Wine and More, because they can help you with perfect choices and they can make sure that any gift that you do buy for anybody is received with joy. For more information about Total Wine and more, go to TotalWine.com. A lot of the experts say it's one of the most difficult meals to pair wine with because it's just a circus on your table. It is my favorite meal, Thanksgiving Christmas dinner isn't too much different or whatever other holidays you might celebrate. We eat foods at this time of year that we don't normally eat and we eat them in conjunction side by side with other foods that we don't normally eat and we just love it whether it's candied yams, I hate those by the way 
or Me too. green bean casseroles and things that you would never eat at home. But yeah. on Thanksgiving, wow. Paul Cullen is the former bass player for Bad Company back uh, 1990 and years that followed, but now has this wonderful business. He cooks in people's homes. He takes them on tours of Italy. He's a level two sommelier, teaches about wine. You got the good life, buddy. You know what, David, I've hit the lottery again, you know, once with Bad Company and now. You know, in between that was a lot of, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with my life. And then in the last five years, man, it's all come together. I couldn't be happier or busier and just love what I do. How come you're really not do. fat? How come you're not fat? What's going on? You're working, I, you know, you're working, I, you're working I, all the time. I'm working so hard. Yeah. I know, man. The last thing I want to do is eat <laughs> after I cook, right? You know, you isn't know? it funny? I cook for a lot of groups. You know, I have a wine club. And I, I will cook for them. I had a restaurant at one point in my life. But it's really weird because when I cook... And it's not like I'm tasting a lot of the food, but I just don't want to eat. And it, it's really yeah. people are raving about my food, and I, I didn't even taste it. All right, so I know. so let's go. But we don't we don't have but just a handful of minutes left. Okay. So let's go back to the Thanksgiving table. Maybe let's yeah, do this. Yeah. Let's have a lightning round between you and I of right. wines that are more interesting wines mm -hmm. for the yep. th Thanksgiving table. I'll throw yep. the first one out. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Bubbly. Bubbly will take you through the entire Thanksgiving meal and you don't have to serve anything else. It works really well. I agree. I'll just add that a rosé Prosecco can make it through the whole meal really, really well because I know because I've done it. <laughs> as long as we're talking Italy, check out Francia Cortas. It's basically champagne, but with an Italian accent. <clears throat> and yep. everything about it is identical. But what's really cool about it is, first of all, Italians take their winemaking very seriously, and they don't like to make bad wine. So you get this really great champagne-style wine. You same grapes, everything. But if you paid $40, let's say, for a Francia Corta, you'd probably need to spend $100 for a champagne of the same quality. Wouldn't you say, Paul? Yeah. No, I love French Accorta. And then also Trento Doc. Ferrari does an amazing sparkling wine in that same tradition. Yeah, very, very good. From Trentino Alto Adige, you know, which is up there by Austria. Okay, now you get to throw a wine out. Ooh, let's do, let's go to white because, you know, people like white, red, and rosé. And I would do an Arnaise from mm. Piemonte because... It's not too acidic. It's more of a creamy, mid-body, minerally. You know, it's a really, really cool wine. And, and I love the backstory. Arnis in Italian means little rascal because it's a hard grape to grow. Really? And I, I, did, go I, I had and, no idea. Yeah, you got to go out and give it a hug. You got to play some classical music for it. You know, whatever you got to do. But it's an amazing, beautiful white wine from Piemonte. And, you know, the nickname is the White Barolo. Interesting. But, you know, I've had a number of Arnais and mm -hmm. I have had some that have a little bit of residual sugar and a little, a, a bit of sweetness to them. And those are just delicious. And, you know, one of the things that I think people overlook is it's okay to have a little sweet in the wine yes. on your Thanksgiving table, because you've got the sweetest thing you could possibly imagine on your table to pair it with. And that's the cranberries, which are like, no doubt to me, the, the cranberries and the turkey gravy and the stuffing, those three items to me are the centerpiece of the Thanksgiving meal. And turkey is a canvas upon which we paint. And, and right. think about what people do. They grab a piece yep. of turkey and then they dredge the turkey through the mashed potatoes. And then they somehow what? manage to get some stuffing on the fork. And then they'll either take a butter knife or something and, and heap some cranberries on that fork along with some gravy. And they've got like five or six different things from the table. And it all goes into your mouth. 
Yep. Because that's oh, the, I agree. That's the most yep, de- I, that's the most delicious bite in the world. Oh, it's the best. In fact, my mouth is freaking watering right now just thinking about doing that exact thing you just said. You know, <laughs> and, you know, and and I hear you know a lot of people like I don't like sweet wine. You know what? I don't like overly sweet wine. You know, I like it perfectly sweet, whether it's with the dessert or if you're going to drink you know, or with the turkey dinner. It's okay if it has a little bit of residual sugar. You know, because it can help pair, just like you mentioned. Butting sweet up against sweet will have an impact on you that you're going to really like. Yeah. Think about it. Oh my god. Think about it. If you eat a candy bar, let's say, and then you have some lemonade, the lemonade is going to taste sour and bitter. You're not going to mm-hmm. taste the sweet because sweet cancels out sweet, which is a good thing when you're going up against something like cranberries that can be overly sweet, and you pair those together, and you get this just right balance. So that's why we like to put on our table some Zinfandel because there's a lot of Zinfandel out there that has a bit of residual sugar, but you can definitely have those big reds that can stand up to a big chunk of beef and you can have it on that table. And and one of the things that I always recommend is go buy some cheap Libby glasses and serve three glasses of wine on the table, which you would see right. in any winemaker's house. They would do that without even thinking about it. It might be four, and it's second nature for people who really love wine. And you can go back and forth between those wines if you want to. That's how you really find out how it pairs for you. It's different for each person. But then you have a chance to actually go back and forth on those wines. It's a brilliant idea. We do it all the time. Give me another wine or two here. We're re- oh. literally running out of time here in the okay. next minute or so. quick. The rosé version of a Moscato di Asti is called Brichetto di Acqui. Brichetto is from Piemonte also. And it's a rosé version, just a hint of sweetness. That's just absolutely gorgeous with Turkey Day. And you could drink it from the beginning all the way through the dessert. Truly. Yeah. Now, one of the things, by the way, a lot of people do, uh, not so much on Thanksgiving, but on the Christmas holidays, not everybody celebrates Christmas, but there will be two meats on the table. There might be beef on the table along with the turkey, or maybe there's even a goose or a duck. So it becomes very interesting what you can put on the table. But I would say you can't go wrong with any Bordeaux. You just can't. And that includes Cabernet Sauvignon Merlot, Cab Franc, and and then, of course, uh, Petit Sirah and Petit Verdot are great wines as well. Then a little daring would be if you can get your hands on a Beaujolais Nouveau. They come out about that time every year, and it's just a, a wonderful wine to pair on the table because it's it's very uh, translucent and beautiful. And then Gruner Veltliner from Austria, oh, yeah, for sure. mm-hmm. from Germany. And if you can find this, a rosé of Cabernet or Merlot. Oh, from France. Uh, well, it, it could be from California, too. Don't forget, sure, we're, sure. don't forget we're out there. All right, that's going to do it for Grape Encounters. Check out everything Paul's doing at paulcullen.rocks. You heard it, paulcullen.rocks. But don't go there with an empty stomach. That's a bad, bad idea. A good, good idea is to um, go to grapeencounters.com and subscribe to the show. And, uh, of course, the show brought to you by... The wonderful people at Total Wine and More, uh, they, they have so much more to offer than just wine, beer, and spirits, including a lot of recipes and ideas and, and stuff to read that you'll find very super interesting at TotalWine.com. We'll see you next week. <laughs>